Thank you, Jesus. God is so fun. We're so happy, happy and excited for all the Lord's doing because really it's, it's transforming lives. It's touching lives. It's encouraging the Sloans for who they've been in Christ, who they are in Christ, what he's doing in Christ. And anytime you see God working, he's working in people, in people to glorify himself and satisfy us. That's the crazy awesome thing about God is that as we, we pursue him and we, we pursue him and we meet up with him and we're satisfied in him, we're satisfied with all the things of our life. All the issues that are surrounding us, all the things, all the scum and Yuck. When we enter in, the Bible says, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, pleasures evermore. And when you encounter God, when he begins to work in your day-to-day life, you find ultimate satisfaction that you could never find. Amen. Ultimate satisfaction. So how about those services lately? Amen. God is showing up. And God is glorifying himself. And so at Wednesday night's night of teaching, we're going to get into the book on the power gifts tonight. But before we go there, I want to cover a little bit of Sunday morning. Is that okay? Um, so, so we're seeing lots of signs and wonders, which we're completely excited about. Um, because that's God showing up. And one of the things that we said when we first came is that we... Um, are the heads. Zach's the head of this church. But in being head doesn't mean he's in control of it. God's in control. And we want to invite the Holy Spirit to come and interrupt us in any service to do what God wants to do. Amen. Amen. So Sunday morning comes and um, a woman in the crowd felt like she heard from God for the church and came up to us and gave us a word with scriptures, fully backed it up. And um, we felt at peace with it, so we let her come up and share. And it was a word that, that God was doing a new thing, that he was doing a new thing in this church. We've already heard that word spoken from the pulpit. It was a confirmation. He, uh, she spoke about um, that the, the, the glory of the former days um, are, are be behind us, they're past, and that we're going to see the great, greater things in the days to come. And, and that's all the things that the Lord's been ministering to us. And so the awesome thing is it was a download from heaven talking about gifts of the Spirit, Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, you know, prophetic. is a download from heaven that God wanted to use a random woman that got born again in 1984 and came to church when it was Evangel Temple that doesn't know anybody anymore, barely, to say, hey, you're right where you want to be. God's here. God's at hand. He's got the plans of celebration all taken care of. So isn't that awesome? So major word of encouragement. So if anybody ever feels like they have a word or God's speaking, they're not sure what to do, on Sunday mornings, we want to leave Zach to hear from God for himself and to press in. But if someone feels like they have a word or something, then they can come down and let one of the ushers know, hey, I think, I'm, I, think I have a word, I think God's speaking, I'm not sure if it's for the church or what. Um, and then they'll come and get me, and you can share it with me, they can share it with me. And if it bears witness, if it's got scripture aligning with it, because remember, we always, if we hear from God, it's going to align with the word of God. Um, and then if, and if it fits into the service that morning, we'll share it. Sometimes it's really a good word of encouragement for that person. It's not always for the whole body. And so that's why, you know, people aren't really sure. Hey, come and let me know. I'll help you figure it out. Try to hear from God for us. If I'm not sure, I'll say, hey, guess what? This is what we have. It's up to, and it's up to him if he wants to share it. But we'll have everybody come and talk to me. That way we can let Zach hear from God for himself and, and um, we ready to minister for the service. Amen? Amen? 
So then the awesome thing is, um, as, as Zach's ministering, you'll see him up here kind of pacing a lot, and y'all can tell whenever the Spirit of the Lord is upon him, and he, the Lord, the river's moving, and it might be changing direction. Y'all ever notice that when he's kind of up here? And he's not trying, he's not unprepared trying to figure out what he's doing. All of a sudden, he's going this way, and he feels the heaviness, the weightiness of the Lord. And he's like, okay, Lord, what are you saying? And he's listening to figure out the direction of where the Lord's going. And so Sunday morning, that, that's sort of what happened. And he decided that it was time to pray for people prior to the preaching of the word. It's not just a let's pull something out of the hat to see what order we're going to do things today. Flip a coin, Ron. What do you think? And um, not how it goes. The Lord is in control. And so he was praying for people. And so the awesome thing, and I'm not going to give any names, and, and hopefully we all don't know. And if we do, we're just going to bless the Lord. But so Sunday morning, he, had, he was pulling people out in the aisles, and he was praying for this one particular woman. And she was getting touched by the Lord. It was a precious moment. And, um, but it was a heavy moment. And, and remember last week we talked about the spirit of discernment, and you can just supernaturally sense the spirit on it, joy, happiness, sad, different things like that. It wasn't necessarily a word of knowledge or word of wisdom or anything taking place, but he knew she wasn't finished receiving prayer, that God was doing something. And I knew that she wasn't finished, and he asked me to stay and pray. And with some ushers stayed with me. And so what was happening is, you know, and this, again, this is Wednesday night crowd. We're the core. So we're just going to teach and go through so we can kind of understand more what, what happens. And so when I was praying for her, this is almost what it, what it looked like. If you can discern visually, this is what it would have looked like praying for this woman. Very broken and hurt and, and receiving from God, but very closed off. Does that make any sense? And you could feel the presence of the Lord. And she was standing straight up. But this is what her, like her heart, the spiritual thing side was taking place. And the spirit of the Lord was all over her, surrounding her. And it was like a whirlpool all over her. And she was getting touched and she was crying and it was heavy. And then the Lord began to speak to me that she needed to let that junk go, right? And so then I go from laying my hands on her heart to, okay, honey, now we need to let this go. We need to let it go. And so my hand moved to her belly. And just begin, you know, and, and, and it's not, you're not coercing someone. You're just, hey, let it up. God wants it. God wants that pain. And she, and she began to cry out. Some people will yell really loud. Obviously, if it was me, they'd hear me down the street. She was a little quieter, but she began to yell out a little bit. And, and you can feel the release. And so there it goes. There it goes, let it out, give it to the Lord. And it's the Lord taking that pain, taking that sorrow, taking those memories, taking all that junk from her, and let it go, keep letting it go. And you can see, it was like, it, she went from this to slowly that flower opening up to the Father, opening up to the sunlight. And then there was a moment where the Lord was like, now. And I moved my hand from her belly to the top of her head and said, now be filled, be filled with his peace. Be filled with his love. And, and you could sense, instead of all of it being around her, the joy and the, and the love being able to go in because she was no longer holding him back or holding her heart captive from the king, but was actually letting him in. And, and it was awesome. I mean, it's beautiful. As I am so in love with praying for people because you see the glory of the Lord. You see the presence of the Lord. It's not just a, hey, come on, girl, I want you to go down. 
I mean, who cares if they go down? I just want you to encounter Christ. I want the living God to come and meet with you every time I pray for you. And so she goes out. It was precious. Out meaning she's on the ground. Well, when that happens, that's like surgery. I don't care if it's like on the pew. I don't care if it's on the pulpit, if they're laying across the stairs and Zach's still preaching. You know, it doesn't matter where they're at in here. That's surgery. And when people are having surgery, we don't want to bother them. We don't want to bother them because we don't know what's happening between them and the Father in that moment. God's cutting things out. He could have been sewing up stitches. You know, all those broken places and mending her and healing her. And so what happened was then Zach says, hey, we're going to greet people. But if you're on the ground, there's a couple of people throughout the building on the ground. If you're on the ground, stay on the ground. Y'all leave them alone. And if this is you, because I have no idea who did it, so it's okay. If it's you, no big deal. But somebody goes up to her and talks to her and says something. And the next thing you know, three or four men pick her up and go sit her down. And so we want to make sure, especially as a core, we've already talked to the ushers and we're all good and we got a game plan. But as a core leadership team, we just want you to know when that happens, we don't care if people go down or not. It's not a requirement. It's not a prerequisite. But when it happens, we leave them alone. We cover them so that they're comfortable, that they're not worried about what's showing, who's looking, how's it happening. That's their surgery sheet. Bam, you're covered, you're good. And we just leave them be. Amen? Yes. I was still my wife's thunder for a moment. <laughs> um, but that's okay because we're a team. But um, I'll just add a, a little addendum to what she said and amen all that she said. And really, we, we just love the presence of God. No matter what that looks like and how, how God manifests himself in someone's life, we just want people, like she said, to encounter the presence of God for themselves and learn to live that out on a daily basis and allow that to affect their personal life, that they go out and take what they receive here and share it with others. And so the, the, the thought that I was going to add to that is we want to create, and we need your help. <laughs> we can't do this by ourselves. We need to create a safe environment where people feel free to receive, that they don't feel like someone's sitting and judging them when they fall out or think, oh, you, you know, you horrible person, you didn't fall out, or, you know, are you being pushed, or you're not being pushed, all those things, because we, Heather and I strive so, if you, if you could hear our conversations, <laughs> we strive so much to, uh, we strive so much to create a safe environment that's God-centered, we don't ever want it to be about us, this is not about us. If, if church is about us and church is about the, the person behind the pulpit, then it's not worth coming. <laughs> you know what I mean? Church is about the presence of God and all of us stepping into his presence together and allowing God to collectively use us as a body. So we love seeing people help catch and pray for people, people greeting folks in the four. We, we love seeing it all, all, minister, all types of ministry. But uh, in here, we want to make sure that we're creating a safe environment for people to receive. So that's it. Amen. So there was one more sign and wonder Sunday morning I want to touch base on. Does anybody remember when our wonderful pastor stood up here and tried to read from the book of Acts chapter 2? <laughs> And so he's trying to read, and he couldn't read, and he began to laugh, and he 
stuttered, and then he couldn't find his place, and then he tried to do it again, and it just wasn't working. And the awesome thing about that is it was all God. It was all Jesus. He didn't lose his place. He didn't forget the scripture. He didn't get lost. He literally, the, the weight of the glory was too much. And it, it began to affect, and he encountered a heaviness, a weightiness of the presence of the Lord, and it was too much. And so if you ever wonder, and there is different, you know how he read the, the scripture of, uh, of the river um, coming from the ankles to the knees, and, and it, it feels that there's different levels, there's different measures of the anointing. You can feel the presence of God all the way around this building. Obviously, the, the people Sunday morning said they felt the presence of the Lord when they walked in. But there is di there's something different when you step up here that, 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 that you can feel and you can sense. You're not quite sure about it or someone's not quite sure about it. They don't want to go get prayed for because they're scared to fall out. Tell them to come sit on the front row. Ask every catcher, every prayer cover lady, and they'll tell you, whoa, it's hard to stand. I was praying for Mandy two Sundays ago, and guess what? She didn't fall out, but guess who fell out? It was too, I mean, I thought, I, don't, I thought we were both going to combust. It was so heavy. But I do have a scripture for you on that from 1 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 11. And it says, It came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping their divisions, and the Levites who were singers, all those of Asaph and Heman, and that big word, with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps, and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeteers and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good and his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the whole house. And so for those of you that may have been wondering, was it God, was it not God, or heard people or asked people, there, and there's more. Second Chronicles 7, same, same story. They have, they have uh, references in Kings that the glory of the Lord filled the temple and the priests were unable to minister. And so that would have been an example Sunday morning. One of the other things I love about Second um, Chronicles 7 Verses 1 through 3 is that um, in verse 3 it says, When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down, the glory of the Lord in the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement. And they worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, He is good, for His mercy endures forever. And so, you know, we have a problem people laying on their backs, but what about people biting their face on the floor, on the pavement, in honor and homage and worship? To the king. And so, again, it's all biblical. It all happens. It, it looks different by, you know, 3,000 years ago, however many years ago it was today, but it's still the same God working and moving in our lives. And so we just want to yield and ask for spiritual discernment, for supernatural awareness to what's happening. And God, let me be aware of your presence in my life and in our church. Amen? All right. Last thing on that, <clears throat> help me, Lord. 
and it'll be fine, is when all this is happening, we just want to encourage people. It's not about whether you fall on the floor, pray in tongues, hip, hip, hooray, shout for joy, cry, laugh. Did you see Christ? Did you see Christ? Because the Holy Spirit's never going to do anything that does not point you to Christ. When he touches us, it's to reveal his power. When he heals us, it's to reveal the power, the love, the presence, the, all the blessings. Zach read that scripture last Sunday. All the blessings, all the benefits that come with being a child of God. And so we want to encounter him and encounter those blessings and not be a people that talk about it, but that live it. And so in the middle of it all, if something's bothering you in that moment, we don't even need to try to figure out if it's God or if it's not. Just close your eyes. Lord, I want to see you. I want to know you. Can you come today? Psalm 27. One thing I ask, one thing that I desire, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I might behold the beauty of the Lord. Why do we want to dwell in the house of the Lord? I want to dwell in a place that houses his presence that houses the Almighty, that houses the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and be with the people that love him, that fellowship with him. There's, a, there's, there's an encounter that you and I have together as a body of believers that we don't have individually at home. Two separate kind of encounters. We want to encounter him at home alone. We want to encounter him as a family here as well. Amen? Amen. All right. Does that help a little bit? Okay. And again, if anyone has questions or wants to talk about services, please tell them to call the office. I'd love to meet with them. And we're on the blue book. So if you're following in the blue book, we're going to be on page 88. And we're covering the inspiration, no, the power gifts tonight. Thank you, Jesus. We just welcome your presence, Lord. We welcome your wisdom. Father, that you would come and you would bring revelation of your gifts tonight, Lord, that we might grow in the knowledge of you, that we might grow in our relationship with you. Come and glorify yourself. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. And so again, it's not, it's not ungodly, it's not unbiblical to want the gifts. It, Paul said, be, desire spiritual gifts. It's a desirable thing for a believer to have, that we might encounter the person of Christ in a more intimate way, that we might be vessels to be used supernaturally. And so we want to desire those spiritual gifts the power gifts are gifts that do something. It's a gift of faith, it's a working of miracles, and it's a gift of healing. We're going to look at the gift of faith first. The gift of faith, if you're taking notes, is a supernatural revelation of the unseen world. It's the ability given by God to sense the world of the Spirit. This world becomes real to us by the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, we all, by faith, come to the Lord. By faith, we're saved, right? But, but the faith that we receive from the Lord for salvation is not the same as the gift of faith. The gift of faith 
can operate in any believer. At any given point in time, every believer, every spirit-filled believer can operate in any of the nine gifts. Oftentimes, though, you'll find that um, you'll flow in two or three gifts, sometimes four, but usually two or three on a regular, consistent basis. And those gifts you nurture, and, and, and that way it could come to maturity and to fruition, that God can use you mightily. But oftentimes, the believer can function in any and all nine gifts throughout their walk with the Lord, throughout their lifetime. And so the gift of faith is supernaturally being able to see the unseen world, discerning the unseen in a moment of time will all of a sudden come upon you. Bam. You'll be in the middle of a situation and you'll know, well, of course, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. With God, all things are possible. And, and we all walk by faith in those things. But in that moment when you're quoting those scriptures to yourself and say, well, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. And all of a sudden it's like this big heavy weight comes. <sighs> Wind of heaven. And all of a sudden you feel like incredible hawk. It's okay, everybody. God is going to do it. We believe by faith. Oh, my goodness. Do you know what he wants to do? It's a supernatural thing that comes upon you for a particular thing, for a particular outcome, for a particular event that God wants to, that God wants to pull someone through, that God wants to do to reveal himself. I have a friend in China, Christina Widener, who operates in the gift of faith. She'll, some things will not exist, and all of a sudden at 26 years old will say, I'm going to run an orphanage for cleft palate babies and take them in and figure out all the nursing stuff and hire a staff and administer drugs and, you know, in a communist company, communist country, why not? I only need one caregiver round the clock for every two babies. Give me 40 babies, no big deal, and everything that comes along with it. You look at her and say, you've been in China three months, sweetie. You just calm down. And guess what? Three months into it, guess what happened? Our pastor back home, Pastor Paris, she'll be taking a walk. She'll be playing in her garden. The next thing you know, I'm going to open a women's rehab. Why not? Oh, okay. Do you know what it takes to run a rehab? I bet you he has a pretty good idea. And all of a sudden, it was in less than six months, $30,000, an entire house, renovated, paid for in cash. Insane. Staff, full-time staff living in, connected with Teen Challenge. They taught us, discipled us for a year on it. Five years later, the funds are still coming in, and we have no idea how it happens. Supernatural faith to come in a moment of time. Let's take a look at example in Scripture. In Acts 14 and verse 9, We'll start in verse 8. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his, from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul observed him, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed. Seeing that he had faith to be healed. In a moment of time, you're walking around whatever, you're in the prison, you're in the jailhouse, you're in the schools, you're at workplace, and all of a sudden, in a moment of time, you see something that's impossible. You see the man, the homeless man on the side of the street, and in a moment of time, you know the Lord's saving him. The Lord's bringing him home. I've, he's got this. The Lord wants to heal you. The Lord wants to give you a house. The Lord's bringing you, don't ever tell someone the Lord's bringing you your spouse, but the Lord's bringing you your spouse. <laughs> 
So y'all getting a bigger picture of the gift of faith. It's much more than just the faith, which is a huge miracle in itself, but the, the faith of salvation. It's a supernatural thing that comes upon us, a supernatural discerning of the unseen world. Um, let me see. I do have more scriptures for us. Um, the gift of faith in Matthew 26 and verse 39. Jesus in the garden. Whoo, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass for me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. In the middle of an absolute, horrible, destitute situation. Wishing and praying, Lord, just take me away. But God, not as I desire. But as you, supernatural faith, believing God to pull you through something you couldn't have done on your own. Luke 1, 38. I had never seen this before, but I saw it today. And this is Mary. The angel of the Lord appears to her. She's a 13, 14-year-old little kid. This huge, the Bible talks about the huge, gigantic size of angel comes and appears to this little child one of those youth girls over there, that's the age, right? Could you imagine being Mary girls and the angel of the Lord appearing to you? And the angel of the Lord says to her, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. And therefore also that holy one who is to be born will call, be called the Son of God. In the natural, this girl could have run for the hills. What are you talking about? Who are you? Why are you here? What have I done? Oh, no. And the Holy Ghost is going to come and overshadow me? What? And there's a baby we're talking about? And all of a sudden, a couple of verses later, in verse 38, she says, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your will. According to the Lord. In a moment of time, the gift of faith coming upon a child. And so the Lord can come upon us and give us the supernatural ability to see the unseen. What is it that he's trying to work out in us? The working of miracles is a supernatural intervention by God in the ordinary course of nature. Nature's happening, things are happening, and it comes supernaturally extraordinary in the natural course of things in an interruption. It's the gift of God. In this gift, God works through a person or through an instrument. And so several examples in the scripture. John chapter 2, verses 7 through 9. Jesus turned the water into wine. Natural course of life. They're going and pouring wine. They drink it all up. They need more. They pour the water. And then what happens? They go to serve the water and it's wine. Miracle. The extraordinary, the supernatural coming in to an ordinary action of life. John 6, 11, Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fish. Fact, he had a couple of loaves and a couple of little fishy, and that was it. Fact, he broke it, blessed the Lord, gave thanks, and began to share the little tiny loaves and the little tiny fish. And as he began to share it with his friends, how many were, how many were served? Five thousand miracle in an ordinary course of action God comes in and does a supernatural 
John 6, verse 19, says that Jesus walked on water. When they heard they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. What would you do if your friend, you're in the boat, out of Lake Erie, next thing you know, they jump out of the boat and just start heading back to the shore. I forgot my sandwich. It was a natural course of action. These guys were hanging out in the boat. Here comes the wind and the waves and everything's happening, all this stuff. And they look out, and guess what? Through the fog, through whatever, you see, wait, what? Is that a seagull? Is that another ship? No. That's Jesus walking on the water. Natural course of action, and God comes in miraculously with a supernatural intervention, that which cannot be done in the natural extraordinary, supernatural coming and intervening. Amen? We've seen that in, in New Orleans for Feed the Multitudes. You know, every year we'd feed and you'd prepare for about 5,000, 6,000 people. And we would, so we would literally buy 5,000 pieces of chicken, 5,000 hot dogs, 5,000 servings of jambalaya. You know, you go down the list. And then we have little clickers. Count everybody coming in, and then you count all the plates, right? And then at the end of the day, you go and take the clicker, figure out how many people came in, and you go and count how many plates are left over. And we would have bought 5,000 pieces of chicken, but we would have served 6,100 or 5,900. And time after time, again, we would say, how did that happen? I know what I paid for, and it wasn't like it was five, a difference of five. We can understand that. But when the difference is 500, 1,000, 2,000, we know, okay, Lord, you're multiplying. You're multiplying. I, I've got you. So the gift of the working of miracles. And then we also see a power gift is the uh, gift of healing. And this is a precious, special gift given by God to heal various sicknesses. And, you know, any of us can pray for someone to, to, be, um, to be healed and see healing. But oftentimes, God will come upon a particular person and use them mightily. A.A. Allen, Catherine Kuhlman, lots of people of the past. Um, who's the guy, healing room guy, that would put his hand? John G. Lake. Could you imagine? There's, if you've never read the, the, the biography or autobiography of John G. Lake, you got to read it. But there, huh? Yes. He's agreeing with me. Amen. Good job. But they talk about John G. Lake going and praying for someone that was sick and dying, and they, they, no one was supposed to go near this man. And he put his hand on his chest and prayed for him. And they said when, they, when John G. Lake left that this man felt like he was, his chest was on fire. So he lifts his shirt and looks at it, and there's literally a handprint, a burn, burn mark of a handprint on his chest. And so this would be an example of a man that the gift of God had come upon him, and he operated in the gift of healing. And he actually, if you've ever heard of the healing rooms ministry, it's still in effect today, was birthed out of his life. He then began to teach people how to surrender and yield to that, or people that had the gift or felt like God had gifted them with the gift of healing, how to begin to pray and hear from God and create atmospheres for the gift of faith to rise in an environment that they could operate in their gifts, and they'd see people healed by the thousands, and those healing rooms are still in operation today. 
So, um, funny story while we look up the scripture for healing is I'm in the Philippines, my first mission trip. God's called me to ministry. I don't want to preach in front of men. I'm nervous as I'll get out. What am I going to say? We're in this jail where people are hanging from the ceilings and you're like literally on top of everyone. And as the woman goes to introduce the team of about 12 of us, she goes, by the way, you're preaching first. And so this, this, this is our team. And um, here you go. Heather's going to share a message. And I had about 30-second heads up, right? So I thank God the fire God comes down. I feel his presence. I step into the anointing, preach a message that I had never even known would come out of me in my entire life. And the Lord has me pray for people for healing. So the whole team's going to pray for healing. I've never prayed for someone to be healed before. And I'm like, why did you have me do that? So, of course, they're all excited, and this one woman who hasn't walked in months, who her knees all discombobulated, is sitting over here in the corner in the front. Hey, can you pray for her? Sure. Why couldn't you have me pray for someone that you can't tell if they get healed or not? <laughs> I mean, I didn't have any faith for, to believe for anything. And I'm like, oh, dear Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord. But the awesome thing, Lord, can you just heal? I didn't know what scriptures to pray. I had never prayed for healing for anybody in my life. Lord, can you just heal her knee? Can you strengthen it and fix it, Lord, that she can use it? God, she's broken inside and out. Can you heal her? She walked. She walked. Before we left that prison ground, she was walking. And I thought, wow. That same trip, there was a man um, in, in a service, there was this. We were in this uh, mountainous town of Baguio, and it was freezing cold, way high up there. And this little tiny church plant had been praying for revival, and it acted more like a Baptist Presbyterian church or something than anybody, than any Assembly of God church. You hear what I'm saying? It, but they were wanting it. The pastor wanted it, but they never had had anything happen in their church. Well, the team comes and gets what happens. Holy Ghost fire, winds are blowing, tongues all over the place, tongues of fire. You know, it was a wild, wild night. But the precious thing is this one man, he couldn't see out of one of his eyes. And if you looked at him, you would see like that, you know, okay, I've got brown eyes, and, and they're really dark, and the other eye would literally be like this gray gloss. And it was not functional. And so a couple of us went and we laid hands on him. And the crazy thing, and so I'm literally like looking and I'm praying. And I, of course, the head person, remember, it's my first mission trip. I'm not in ministry yet. God's called me. I'm trying to figure all this out. So the head lady's praying. I'm praying. This other guy's praying. And I'm kind of like watching and I'm praying. I'm like, that would be really cool if you could do that. But that's really broken. I mean, look at that. And as I'm looking at it, I know, very spiritual moment for me. But as I'm looking at it, you see the gray turn back to full color. And he starts screaming and shouting. And we're like, what? Did you see that? Did you see that? He can see. I mean, we were all like, wow, God is real. The gift of healing is real. This is awesome. Whoa. But I know. What we talked about earlier was that all these things happen. Why? To glorify the Father. All these things happen so we could know Christ. That man's marriage was falling apart. They were on the verge of divorce, hated each other. Pastors knew what they wouldn't even do counseling anymore. That marriage was restored before we ever left Baguio. Fully restored. 
We kept in touch with them for years. Fully restored marriage, both of them active in leadership in the church. The healing came, the physical healing came, so God could restore their hearts and put them back into right fellowship with him and with one another. Isn't that awesome? So the gift of healing. Let's go over our scriptures for the gift of healing. Uh, Matthew 8, in verse 2 and 3, And a leopard came to him, bowed down before him, and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. And Im- immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Matthew 8, 14 through 16, When Jesus came to Peter's home, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her. She got up and waiting on him. When evening came, they brought out him many who were demon-possessed. He cast out, spirit, he cast out the spirit with a word, and he healed all who were ill. There's a day coming in the church where we'll see everybody in the church being healed. People will walk in or on crutches or come in on wheelchairs, and they'll walk out leaping, shouting, praising the Lord. He has the ability to heal all. As we go to close, quick testimony on healing. The Lord's healed me several times, and I'm sure you'll hear about all these throughout the years that we're here. But my first healing came when I did not believe in the gifts of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, and those Pentecostal people freaked me out. They were weird. And so I was leading this Bible study. And it was a Bible study, and I would feed everybody, and they'd come over, and I was, it was for a Baptist church. And um, so, we, of course, what do you do? You invite everybody you know. Well, this friend of mine that was in the Bible study invited another friend who didn't go to church, who was raised Catholic, and she came, but she told a friend of hers that she was coming, and he thought, great, what kind of nut job person are you going to go sit under? But he was Pentecostal. So he came to the Bible study to see if this was an okay Bible study, and as he comes, the Lord tells him, you're to, this is where you're to be. You're to come every week. So he starts coming to the Bible study. Well, long story short, he found out all of my religious ways and all of my rules and thought they were very hilarious because I left no room for God to move in my life, right? Because he could only move the way I wanted him to move. So this one particular day, he shows up at my apartment, which was against the rules. And I'm cleaning house. And I'm like, you can't be here. Go away. And he starts laughing at me and walks in. He's like, I just need something to drink. And I'm like, get out. I don't like you. Don't you know rule number one? Get out. So here's me and all my rules. And I go, and I, which rules are good. But, you know, I was religious. Opening all the blinds, open the front door. And I'm like, I can't stand you. And I'm cleaning the house. Well, a couple of years before, I had fallen 12 feet off of a ladder, landed on cement, and had back damage. It was permanent back damage. It took years to be diagnosed. When it finally was diagnosed, it was um, going to be permanent. It was in the muscle. It was not in the muscles of my back. That anything from the weather to stress to um, viruses could flame it up. And I would be working, and next thing you know, putting stuff up somewhere. And all of a sudden, I would breathe, and I could feel it shoot up my back and all the way down my leg. And I knew if I didn't sit soon, I was going to collapse. And then it would be like, oh, call mom and dad, call somebody, come get me, take me back to the doctor, I'd get a shot of this, I'd get a shot of that, go home with muscle relaxers, painkillers, and I'd wake up three weeks later. And that was my life for years. So this particular day I'm cleaning, 
and I go to clean the entertainment center, and my leg's not quite working because my back's doing a thing, and I'm doing all this. And I heard him say, do you trust me? I thought, get out of my apartment. Back, I sense the presence of the Lord. I said, yeah. I said, Heather, do you trust me? Get out. <laughs> yes. Heather, Heather, do you trust me? Because I want you to lay down. I want to pray for you. The Lord wants to heal you. Of course you do. Okay. And I knelt down on the floor. And of course, my back. So I'm kind of like. And I lay down on the floor. And he laid his hand on my back. And started to pray. And he began to pray in tongues. For the first time in my life, I wasn't freaked out about it. I could sense the presence of the Lord. At some point, I began to feel warmth and then fire all in the area of my back, up my back, up my shoulders, down my leg. The whole, the whole um, nerve that, that was being affected could feel the fire of the Lord. I thought he prayed for like two minutes. He said he prayed for over half an hour. I got up and I, to this day, have not had any pain anywhere in my body from that back injury. The Lord is a Lord who heals. We don't understand when he heals, why he heals, or how he heals. But there is a gift of healing that, that many people in this church will operate in, that have it on their lives, and that we just have to begin to step out and say, Lord, if it be your will, yes, it's your will. By your stripes we're healed. Father, come and touch this body. Come and heal this body. Many times he'll use science, and many times he'll use the supernatural. And in a moment of time, healed. In Jesus' name.